Hi, welcome to Pitt Town Church. We are so glad that you're listening to this podcast. We pray that this sermon encourages you in your walk with Jesus. If you would like more information, check out our website at www.pitttownchurch.com. Hello, everyone. My name is Sally, and I'm going to be reading the Bible for us tonight. So as Kevin said, we're reading from Luke chapter 4, and the verses are 31 to 37. Then he went down to Capernaum, a town in Galilee, and was teaching them on the Sabbath. They were astonished at his teaching because his message had authority. In the synagogue, there was a man with an unclean demonic spirit who cried out with a loud voice, leave us alone. What do you have to do with us, Jesus Nazarene? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him and said, be quiet and come out of him. And throwing him down before them, the demon came out of him without hurting him at all. Amazement came over them all, and they kept saying to one another, What is this message? For he commands the unclean spirits with authority and power, and they come out. And news about him began to go out to every place in the vicinity. Hello, everybody. How are we going? Good. I'm Terry. Uh, Not Terry from church. Just Terry will be fine. (laughs) Thank you. Uh, How about we pray, and then let's have a look at this passage together. Righto. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, uh, we ask that you would please open our hearts to the truth. Father, please uh, be shaping us and changing us by your word, uh, through your spirit. And Lord, please help us to believe, to trust, to follow and to serve you in this world. Amen. All right. I'm hoping you guys have heard of the expression Famous last words. Famous last words. History actually records for us um, the final words, the famous last words of a US Civil War general. His name was John Sedgwick. And uh, as John Sedgwick uh, faced the Confederate Army sitting on his horse and the Confederate Army was lined up across the battlefield, his last words to be spoken were, they couldn't hit an elephant from this distance. Famous last words. Now, of course, it is a generally accepted that people say their last words on this earth when they're just about to die, uh, but Jesus was a little bit different to that. Jesus had already died 40 days earlier, uh, but his last words uh, that he spoke to us before he rose up to heaven are what we often call the Great Commission. Uh, and uh, the Great Commission begins with these words. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Now, it's called the Great Commission because uh, what he's doing here is he's actually giving his disciples a job. That's what a commission is. It's a job. I'm the boss, says Jesus. So here's the job. Go make disciples. So that begs the question, if you and I call ourselves followers of Jesus, disciples of Jesus, how are you going with the job that he's given you? Uh, how did you go with inviting people along at Easter? I mean, a lot of people did. I know a lot of people did because a lot of people turn up and well done. But, you know, how did you go with inviting people along at Easter? Um, 
what about during the year and during the Easter break and over the Easter period? Did you talk to people about Jesus? Were there opportunities for you to share something of Jesus and his gospel? And if there were, did you take it? Now, I know definitely for myself, speaking from experience, it's not always easy to get those words out, is it? Uh, you know, there's lots of things that will stop you. You, you don't want to offend. Uh, you don't want to start an argument with someone. You don't want to impose. You don't want to risk your friendships or your relationships. And so it becomes much easier then to, to keep quiet and just to simply hope that somebody else at the table or at the gathering is going to stick their neck out uh, for them. And uh, on the one hand, if... Uh, if life is going badly for somebody, if they're going through a very tough time for whatever reason, uh, you kind of feel like you don't want to add to their, you know, stresses and you don't want to feel as though you're preaching at them. Uh, but, but on the other hand, if things are going very well for them, you go, well, things are going really well. They're pretty happy and contented. They're probably not going to listen to me if I talk about Jesus right now anyway. And so you can see how easy it is to find reasons not to speak up. So clearly all of us need at least a little bit of encouragement in this area. Now, of course, there are, uh, there, says there are people here, of course, who uh, wouldn't call themselves Christians at all, or maybe you're not sure even if you are a Christian. Uh, in that case, so, you know, the question then becomes, how might the authority of Jesus affect you and affect your life? And maybe this is going to help you make some decisions about Jesus and what part he's going to play in your future. So today uh, we're going to have a look at this idea of uh, the authority of Jesus and how it actually does impact all of us. So we're going to begin with verse 31. Then Jesus went down to Capernaum, a town in Galilee, and was teaching them on the Sabbath. They were astonished at his teaching because his message had authority. So there's that word authority there already. Um, uh, so first things first, though, you know, we've talked about authority a bit so far, but, but what actually is authority? Uh, it's kind of a funny word. Uh, we'll start with a dictionary definition. Uh, the power or right to give orders, make decisions and enforce obedience. So in other words, authority is the right to be heard and obeyed. But also I think there is more to authority than that. And uh, I think we have to include the idea of authority being uh, the idea of knowing the truth about something. So you might like to think about this as knowledge or wisdom. So if you, uh, if you say, for example, that you know the truth about something, you're claiming authority or to be an authority in that area. So, uh, for example, uh, I used to work as a vet not so long ago. Uh, people, hopefully at least, saw me as an authority on animal health. And so they'd come to me, and uh, this is a true story, they'd say stuff like, my dog's got this terrible rash and my neighbour told me to spray WD-40 on it. Do you think that will help? Uh, and yes, that did happen. Now, it was up to me then as an authority uh, to give them knowledge and advice that would actually help them, uh, but also it was up to them whether they followed that advice or whether they didn't. Now, this crowd in Capernaum who are listening to Jesus' teaching are astonished at how he taught with authority. This is a guy who really knows his stuff. And uh, very importantly, it's uh, part of this uh, surprise or astonishment that they have is that Jesus is actually 
teaching his own ideas, his own words. He's interpreting scripture directly, as it were. And the reason they're astonished at that is uh, that the teachers of, of his day, that the scribes in the synagogues, uh, often didn't interpret the scriptures in their own words. Uh, what they would do more often is actually quote famous rabbis from the past. But if you look through your Gospels, you'll see Jesus often started his teaching with words like, um, uh, you have heard it said, but I say to you. And so Jesus taught straight from Scripture with uh, perfect wisdom and perfect understanding of it. And that, that is uh, one of the many things about Jesus that just blows me away. When you read uh, the Gospels, you read about Jesus and all these conversations and uh, interactions that, that he had with people, he always had the right answer for them about all sorts of different topics, uh, particularly relating, of course, to heaven and, and God and uh, how to be right with God and so forth. Now, they weren't always popular answers, but they were the right one. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, in particular, though, it's worth noting that, that Jesus, uh, there is no authority higher than Jesus when it comes to talking about and knowing about uh, the big stuff. So things like God and his kingdom and heaven and hell and how we would be right with God. So if you want answers to the big questions, you go to Jesus. So there's that first aspect of authority that we're talking about here, the idea of knowledge or truth. But the other requirement for general, for genuine authority is, of course, power, that when an order is given, it is obeyed. So let's look from verse 35 where Jesus drives out a demon. Jesus rebuked him and said, Be quiet and come out of him. And throwing him down before them, the demon came out of him without hurting him at all. Amazement came over them all, and they kept saying to one another, What is this message? For he commands the unclean spirits with authority and power, and they come out. So Jesus has real authority because he has real power. <coughs> you might like to think back to the days, uh, for some of you, perhaps not so long ago, when you were back at school. So I'm going to put you in a back at school mode, as painful as that may be. Um, if you can recall, there were certain days when your regular teacher was away, they were off sick or whatever. And remember on those days when your, main your, your usual teacher was away, you got the substitute teacher. Now, the substitute teacher, theoretically at least, had authority over the class. Yeah, I can see you all see where this is going. I personally used to very much pity the poor substitute teacher. Our class would generally run right. Uh, now, some days, though, when your teacher was away, you didn't get the substitute teacher. You got who? The headmaster, yeah. Okay. It was very different on those days, wasn't it, when you got the headmaster? Now, the reason is that he had real authority because he had power. He had the power to keep the whole class in line, didn't he? He had the power to talk to your parents. He had the power to put you on detention, all the rest of it. Well, Jesus has real authority because he has real power. There's a famous uh, horror movie, uh, which hopefully uh, some of you know, called The Exorcist. And uh, you may have seen it. Um, <coughs> excuse me, if you haven't seen it, you've probably seen some send-ups of The Exorcist. Uh, anyway, the, this, the basic idea of that movie is uh, it's about a Catholic priest who tries to cast out a demon from a girl 
much like Jesus does here. But in this movie, The Exorcist, it's all very dramatic. In fact, it takes a whole movie apart from the priest's personal issues, which keeps part of the story. Anyway, it's all very dramatic, you know, this exorcism. There's lots of carry-on. There's lots of uh, fancy Latin words and incantation. There's holy water going everywhere. There's crucifixes being, you know, thrust and so forth. But what happens here, I hope you notice, is absolutely nothing at all like that movie. Jesus just rebukes the demon. He basically says, hey, you, demon, shut up and get out. That's all he does. And out the demon goes. That is, that is authority with power. That is real power. And we do see Jesus' power in, uh, in other miracles as well. So his power over nature and his power over sickness and even his power over death. But what we're seeing here is that Jesus has real power over Satan and the evil supernatural forces that are at work in this world. I'm going to talk a bit more about that later. So keeping those ideas in mind, those three words really, authority, truth and power, what does this passage help us remember about Jesus? Well, really, there's just two things I want to highlight from this. So first of all, uh, we're meant to be seeing that Jesus has come with authority to destroy the dominion of Satan and restore the kingdom of God. Uh, let's have a look at verse 33. In the synagogue, there was a man with an unclean demonic spirit who cried out with a loud voice, leave us alone. What do you have to do with us, Jesus Nazarene? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Now, when the demon has seen Jesus in action, he's actually very frightened of him. And the reason he's frightened of him is because he knows who Jesus is. He knows how powerful he is and he knows that Jesus is gunning for him, basically. <coughs> and so what we have here is a power struggle. And yes, it's a power struggle over this man, but it is also, in, in another way, a power struggle for the whole of humanity. See, from the moment that Satan deceived Adam and Eve, our world has been under the devil's power. And that is why our world is so corrupt and so fallen and so dark. I mean, that's why, why families fight and people are selfish and uh, the news is full of, you know, bad things that happen to seemingly good people. Now, of course, it may seem to you that this world doesn't seem that evil a lot of the time. And at least though, part of the explanation of that is that this is what we've grown up with. This is the world we were born into. Uh, it, it, it's all we've known. And in some ways, we're like fish that are swimming around in the water. The fish don't notice the water that they're in. We don't really no take notice of the air that we breathe because it's been around us all our lives. But that doesn't make it any less real. Satan, called, uh, Satan was called by Jesus the ruler of this world. Satan is the father of lies and the world believes those lies. Now, you might think that you're okay without Jesus and that you're quite capable of running your own show without him. But the truth is, the honest truth is that without him, 
you are a captive to the devil and his schemes and you're actually doing what the devil wants you to do, which ultimately is ignoring God and rejecting Jesus. That's the scheme. But it is the good news. Because Jesus is Lord over all, he has both the authority and the power to set us free. Colossians 1.13 says, Jesus has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of the Son he loves. And in 1 John it says, The Son of God was revealed for this purpose, to destroy the devil and his works. Now, when you take all this stuff seriously, it is very heavy, isn't it? It's very, you know. Um, the consequences of all this is literally eternal for you and and for everyone you love and for all your friends, you know. So when you're, so when you're having that nice social get-together with your non-Christian mates and you're, you're chatting about, you know, the holidays or how, how things are going for you at uni and all that sort of, or you're starting, you know, and they're telling you about their new job and all that sort of stuff, and they, they seem to be quite happy and everything seems to be going quite well for them, you know, don't let yourself think, for a moment, that they're okay. They're not okay. You know, if they are not under the lordship of Jesus, then that means they are under the dominion of Satan. And that means that unless something changes, they're going to hell. That's what that means. They need to hear the truth. They need to know about Jesus. And again, this sounds like a, something maybe a bit too scary and, and too big a job for us to do. And it is. <laughs> but that's what brings me to our second point. And it is something that you may have, as we're reading the passage, didn't notice or you've mentally logged it for later. But I'm just saving it for now. Um, did you notice that it is not just the man Jesus who has this authority and power, it's his message. Uh, listen very carefully to the wording of verse 32. They were astonished at his teaching because his message had authority. You expected to say they were astonished at his teaching because he had authority, wouldn't you? But it's his message. And again in verses 35 and 36, amazement came over them all and they kept saying to one another, what is this message? For he commands the unclean spirits with authority and power, and they come out. Now, if I was writing that, I probably would have written, um, you know, amazement came over them all and they were saying to each other, who is this man? Because he commands the unclean spirits with authority and power. But it keeps talking about the message. So what's that about? Is that a, is that a typo or is there some confusion there? Uh, well, we could be pretty certain it's not a typo. Uh, it's actually because what the gospel, what Luke is trying to teach us and what God is trying to teach us is that the message of Jesus carries all the authority of Jesus himself. So what is this message of Jesus that has such amazing authority? Well, a few verses later in verse 43, it says, uh, Jesus says that the message is the good news of the kingdom of God. And we would call that the gospel. 
because gospel is the good news of the kingdom of God. And so the implication of all of that then becomes this, that the work of Jesus does not stop just because Jesus has gone to heaven. Okay? His message is still here and his message is still going out and his message is still saving people, rescuing people. So Jesus is still at work in our world today as the message goes out with all his authority and all of his power. And that message is the gospel, that, that God so loved us that he sent Jesus into the world to defeat Satan and to free us from death and sin and hell. And this is the truth, the gospel truth about God and us that Jesus speaks into people's hearts by his spirit when the gospel is spoken to them. And that truth is very powerful. Romans 1.17 says, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. And so the message of Jesus, who he is and what he has done, it has the power to rescue you. Uh, no, matter, no matter who you are, no matter what you've done, uh, it has the power to overcome all these things, to rescue you if you turn to Jesus as your Lord. And it has the power to rescue your friends, your neighbours, your family. And so that's what this is, the Great Commission is all about, going out and making disciples. So how do we make, make disciples? Well, we take the message out, don't we? So it's just right there in verse 37, uh, it says, when news about him began to go out to every place in the vicinity. Now, the devil, of course, does not want you telling people the gospel. He does not want people hearing the gospel. He does not want people knowing the gospel. He wants you to think you can't do it. He, you know, he, he's going to play on your fears and your insecurities and your anxieties and whatever else that stops you from, you know, speaking out and uh, talking about Jesus to people. He wants you to think that you can't do it. And in a sense, he's right. <laughs> but this is the point to remember, this is not about you, is it? This is about trusting Jesus and his message and what he's doing. It's about his power and truth and authority at work, not ours. So we don't have to doubt. We don't resort to tricks. We don't change the truth. Instead, our job is to speak the truth in love and to pray and then we trust in the authority of Jesus. Because every day, all around the world, today, tomorrow, every day, uh, Jesus is rescuing people from the grip of the devil, the dominion of the devil, and he brings them into his kingdom. So take the chance, take the opportunity, you know, speak the truth, invite people to church, get behind I mean, that, one of the reasons God has organised us into a church is so that we can, we can work together to get the gospel out, to share the gospel, the good news with others. So that's what we're trying to do here as a church. So come and get on board and, and, and get serving and, and get involved. And, we, you know, this is what we, this is the job. So we do that as individuals and we do that as a church.
Because I know that all of you here who follow Jesus now, I know that there was, you know, somebody cared enough about you to stick their necks out for you, didn't they? To give you that invite or to have that conversation to make sure that you heard the gospel. And another thing to remember is that you're not on your own. Even if it's just you and them, you're not on your own, okay? Uh, Remember we talked about famous last words, we talked about the Great Commission. Well, how do those famous last words of Jesus finish? Well, Jesus finished by saying, remember, I am with you to the end of the age. Jesus is with you. So trust his message, trust his authority, be confident in the power of his word. Take every opportunity to point others to him and then pray and watch and prepare to be amazed. Amen.